Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Need to get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Hello, welcome to episode 46 of the bloodandmud.com podcast. It's the last pod before Christmas or the non-denominational winter festival of engorgement, if you're yes. a non-believer type. Happy Kwanzaa. Yes, this is your sweary pipe bomb of rugby college. Rugby college? Where did that come rugby from? Cottage, rugby knowledge. Yes. A yes. knowledge that you learn in rugby college. Yes. Um, this is rugby college. It is like rugby, rugby college in a yeah. way, yes. Yeah. Right down to the terrible dormitories and poor infrastructure. <laughs> um, I am Ho Ho Lee Calvert, like, and he is. Uh, I am the spirit of Josh Gardner. Yes. Um, this is the final pod of the year because I can't see us doing one next week because it's Boxing uh, Day. Yes, I'm going to be in some sort of food-based coma. To be honest with you. <laughs> no. What are you getting yeah. for Christmas, Josh? Type two diabetes. Yes, <laughs> if I'm lucky. Yeah. Um, this is the final pod. You're going to invent type three just for me. Um, so anyway, we've asked for your shit good nominations for the whole um, of 2016. It's a lot has happened in the last year. It is um, stuff that I thought had happened before this year when we were just talking about it. Now <laughs> it was like, what was that this year? All right, yeah. yeah. It's almost like we spent a large portion of the last year talking about rugby to such an extent that it's all a lot of stuff has happened and we've talked about an awful lot. An of awful it. lot, and it's nice to review it all. So we're going to do that a bit later on. Uh, we'll have a review of the Euro weekend a little bit. Uh, we'll dip into that. We're going to have a go at World Rugby because, you know, every week is having a go at World Rugby week. Basically, yes. We're going to go back to some 99 rugby problems as well. Yes. While we're on the fact that this is pod 46, soon we'll be coming up to pod 50, our half century. Mm. And mm-hmm. uh, somebody came, I think it was Alvaro on Twitter, at Blood and Mud, came up with the idea of doing a team of the worst players to ever get to get 50 caps. 
Ooh, and we're not I doing like that it. this week, but I'm saying out there to you lot out there, if you want to get in touch with me, you can get in touch with me yeah. at Blood and Mud. You can get in touch with Josh. Uh, at Josh Gardner or indeed at Rugby Show Watch. Or you can do both of us or all three of us in one tweet. It does cut down yes. your characters, so you need to think I mean, that through. Yeah. Pick either me or Rugby Show Watch because you're talking to the same person then. Yeah. It's unnecessary. Uh, yeah. yeah. That would be over-egging the pudding to a great a degree. Bit, just a bit. So, yeah, so please let us know of people you can think of that have had more than 50 caps, or mm. 50 caps or more, who were frankly a bit shit. Yes, and there must be quite a lot of them out there. There must be quite a lot. We've already had one nomination for the leader and the captain of the team, Big John Hayes. <laughs> oh, I mean, lovely man. Was it Century of Caps, man. John Hayes? Yes, lovely man, passionate man. Really not that good. No. Rob so Ford's got to be up there as well. I think he was in there as well. We've had a few nominations yeah. already. Somebody nominated yeah. Rob Howley, which I thought was completely out of order. I think they're confusing oh, Rob Howley now for Rob Howley Rob then. Rob Howley the coach and Rob Howley the player are two very different yeah. entities. Rob Howley the player was a magnificently wonderful a player. Wonderful player, yes. Yeah. Could run full pelt in a jackknife position. For that alone, <laughs> he gets yes. my... Uh, Literally at a 45 degree angle. Um, yeah, so there you go. So we, that'll be coming up. So please get in touch at Blood and Murder at Josh Gardner with your nominations for that, and we'll we'll keep them coming in and, and compiling over the next few weeks. Before we get into the details of this week, let's have a quick look at some new stuff. Let's talk about Denny Solomona. Let's. Who's gone yeah. to sale? He has, and he's not the first rugby league player to cross over to rugby union, especially to sale. They seem to love it. <laughs> It's not even this season, let's face it. No, the reason why I'm mentioning it is because there's a piece on the BBC today by Andrew Aloya, and they've really, he's really completely jumped the shark with it. I think he's completely lost it. <laughs> I did read this, actually, yeah. It's a very long sort of like comment piece, one saying that it's going to be rugby's Bosman. I think the, the issue is, it seems, is that is that Denny Solomona effectively retired from rugby league. Rugby league. What, with two years left on his Castleford contract. Yeah. And I- I mean, there's no getting away from it. That is very naughty. It is very naughty, but and what, what if he re- what if he retired with two years in his contract and went off to become a fell runner? Nobody would care, would they? Well, exactly. I think the problem is that you know it is a, a, a professional, but and it happens in American sport all the time. You know, like well, not all the time, but you know, Enough. like Michael Jordan retires from basketball and then goes to play baseball. You know, it's. It, or Bo Jackson played two sports. Well, Bo Jackson played them at both. Given that the was, rugby league and rugby union are different seasons, I don't see why that's not possible. They're not thinking creatively about this at all. They're really not, are they? Why can't he do both? Um, yeah, I, it is a little bit cheeky, but as you say, they are different sports. And if he doesn't want to play rugby league anymore, yeah, they can't. Re- it's very different to the Johan Goosen situation, which yeah. is, <laughs> yeah. I mean. That's fucking mental anyway. But What's the story with him then? He's retired to become the commercial retired. director at the age of 24 or something. Yes, but all reports seem to say, yeah, that's bollocks. He's retiring to conveniently unretire in about June and <laughs> sign for Montpellier. Um, which, I mean, <laughs> that's not going to end well for him because they're the same sport no. and you can't just... And Racing can and will take him to court and will. Because one thing we do know is that the Racing director's got enough money to spunk on lawyers. Yeah, Jackie Lorenzetti has got the money. And has the the crazy ego and persecution complex to want to see it through as well. Massively so. I mean, fair enough. Because basically, this is just... Montpellier don't want to pay... Apparently, he's got a million euro release clause in his contract. Right. So they don't want to pay that. So they sort of suggested (laughs) to him that he goes and works as a as a commercial director or whatever the fuck he's doing in South Africa 
for a couple of months and then um and then conveniently decides he's had a change of heart and he really misses rugby yeah. and he's going to come back. Rugby is where my heart is. Well, I think in those situations, if you are still within, like, if you've retired, then, like, you should, like, your contract should just be paused, basically. And if yeah. you then decide to unretire, then your contract starts up again. You mean like going on Section 17 League for the Mental Health Act section? <laughs> <laughs> basically niche yes. knowledge that but yeah that's basically yeah. what it's like yes. so um anyway in this piece on the bbc he said mm. the solomona dispute was expert one he says it's like football's bosman because it could set a precedent and stuff like that which i don't think it can because that was all about out of contract situations mm. but anyway and he says as the solomona dispute has exposed legal and financial issues a number of experts have spoken to bbc sports about and here's the bullet pointed list the pandora's box has been opened how, how's that a bullet point, by the way? I mean, that's, I mean, that's a great way to start the email, isn't it? Would you like to talk to us about how the Pandora's box has been opened? I mean, yes. yes, I would. Yeah. Oh, hang on. I thought this was a pornographic email. No, but sorry, I don't want to talk to you about it. Are talking about a specific Pandora here? Or... No. It's... How the case has dredged up more than a century of resentment between the rugby codes. They're really banging on this one. And the need really? to close loopholes between the sport. And then to really hammer home the centuries of, of um, problems with team and they've gone to see Tony Collins, who, okay. who wrote a book, which I've got, which is a very good read, actually, if you're interested in, in the history of this, which is mm. called Rugby's Great Split, which, which is all about... He, he's, the, he's an academic, and he wrote all mm. about how the split came about and, and what yeah. led to it and stuff like that. But they've been to see him to get a comment from him because, you know... Would you say, Tony, that this exposes even more the great schism between rugby league? Yes, I oh, would. Yes, I would. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it seems like it's rewritten by somebody that doesn't understand that for all of their similarities, in the same way that American football is very similar to rugby when you distill it to its base elements. Yeah, tackles, funny shape ball. Yeah. Yes, uh, rugby league is a different sport to rugby union. And, you know, it's not it's not like signing for a Premier... You know, it's not like retiring from a Premier League club and then trying to sign for a, you know, La Liga club in football or whatever. Or it's not like retiring from the Premiership and trying to then... And retiring into the Pro 12 or into Super hmm. Rugby or something like that. You know, these are totally different sports with different governing I, bodies, different everything. I'm not a lawyer, right? But I, I, So I don't... But I can't see the problem with somebody saying, I'm retired from this sport, and now yeah. I'm starting another sport. Yeah, sure, You're quite within so. your rights to do that, surely. Yeah. Should he want to come back to Rugby League, should it not work out as sale? Because, God, that's never happened before, is it? <laughs> um, then I think Castle should have a right to then say, yeah, you, you owe us two years, sunshine. Yeah. But and that if that is a precedent that is then set in court by this, then fair enough. However, yeah, it's a bit. Yeah. So basically, it's a bit of a bloke who's just jacked in. He's trying to make a bit of money and change his career. But that, what's interesting is how much this piece is trying to spin it into something far more than that. Yes, it's trying to. But it's basically like the Cold War being restarted or something. Yeah, which I mean, that's basically happened. So it's nice to everything is basically going back to the eighties. So it's nice that the rugby league, rugby union relations are attempting to being thrown back to. The if it is going to go back to the eighties, I would like to go back to those rugby league cotton rugby league shirts with a proper V neck, <laughs> and those 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 ridiculous pads that were like properly massive. 
They were yes, foam pads. Yeah. I had a pair when I played rugby league in college, and they had Velcro straps to fasten around your arm and everything. It's you like, were literally it's like, like we say, there's not that much difference between American football <laughs> and rugby in, a, in that kind of way. Yeah, I'm well, all for it. Well, there you go, Danny Semelmon. He's off to. He's gone to sale already, hasn't he? He's played on the weekend. He's played at the weekend. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of horse door bolt situation. This far and no more, they're saying. We'll see. They've appointed a QC. It even says that he's appointed a QC. That's how seriously they're taking it. Not some normal barrister, a QC. (laughs) Right, anyway, so let's let's have a little bit of a review of the weekend. We're not going to do all the games. We say this every week and talk for too long, but we're going to try this long to not do it. Try and brief so that we can then fit in all the other shit and also telling you about free beer and shit. And stuff like that. Uh, it's yes. not free beer, but it's discounted beer, but we'll get there. Yes. Uh, so, reviews-wise, let's talk. Let's start with Leinster versus the travelling comedy car crash that is Northampton Saints. Yeah, I mean, what can you say about this? They were... Here's what you, you can, can say about this, right? JJ Hanrahan at 12. Yeah. There's nothing much more to, to be said about that, is there really? But, yeah, JJ Hanrahan yeah. at 12. He is the... There was somebody, I think, um, ball-handling hooker who's very good for all things Irish rugby on Twitter amusingly pointed out game that JJ Hanrahan is the only Irish player to ever leave Ireland and in the perception of Irish fans not them become amazing and brilliant <laughs> so like every Irish player that leaves they're instantly like oh he should be playing for Ireland but except for JJ Hanrahan except for JJ Hanrahan <laughs> he just thinks he's fucking shite um, so he's, tw- he's at 12 he's... and he's very much not being Jimmy Gopeth that's well. <laughs> Not in any way. No, I mean, but I, the one thing I think is really harsh about this. I mean, you can accuse Saints of many things after that, like mm. cowardice in the face of the enemy, <laughs> yes. incompetence, lack of giving a fuck. But I think it's very harsh that they're apparently under investigation now for fielding a weakened side. Yeah. Which, I mean, French teams have basically been doing this in the Challenge Cup since the Challenge Cup was invented. And they quite regularly do it in away games yeah, in the Champions Cup as well. But if you look like, at the team they put out, Asi Tuala, the two pieces, Hanrahan, all right, out of position, but he is, he was bought, he, has he got Ireland caps, yeah. Hanrahan? He has, hasn't he? Uh, Not, well, anyway, he was near enough. Yeah. Stephen Myler at 10, who's their normal thing. Nick Groom. Yeah, yeah. Front row, Kieran Brooks is there, England caps. Yeah. They, Callum Clark, Tamana Harrison, c- current England international is there. Yeah. Paul Hill on the bench. Yeah. It's not, you know... It's not a weak team. I mean, it's two I points to this I was fine. I always don't understand that weakened team argument anyway, because if you've yeah. got a squad of full-time senior professionals, surely you can choose whatever team you want from that Basically, squad, because yeah. that's your professional first-team squad. So I've never understood yeah. that rule anyway. But Especially even if... in, in rigours of rugby, you know, squad rotation is absolutely essential and constant and should happen every week. Yeah, and so one... I've never understood that rule anyway, so I think that's wrong. But even if you are going to apply that rule, I don't see how it applies here. Yeah. Why haven't you been applying it at any point in the last... Do you think they just looked at the score and thought, they've obviously just put out a load of under-17s, surely. And then they've gone to look at it and gone, oh, shit, oh, hang on. (laughs) Because, I mean, look at the tries Leinster scored. Burn 2, McGrath, O'Brien, Furlong, Cronin, 2 for Nathewa, who's about 90. He is literally 700 years old. He is really yeah. slow for a wing these days. And then a like, try for O'Loughlin. Yeah. Sean O'Loughlin, who plays for Wigan, he came over for the day, and even he scored. <laughs> but it's, no, it's, I mean, it was, a, a, we thought they were bad last week, but it was a diabolically awful. I mean, joking like, aside, it is really quite awful, and there really is yeah. no excuse for it at all. There, there were some jokes flying around about how, you know, 
everybody last season was basically saying that the Pro 12 and the Welsh regions, etc., etc., mm. didn't belong in the Champions Cup and they shouldn't, you know, they were basically just going to be there making up the numbers and they're just going to get battered every week, yada, 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 yada. And there were plenty of wags on Twitter of, during this game basically going, you know, what's the point in giving the Premiership <laughs> all these Champions Cup places if only, you know, two teams are really competitive? And this year it's true. It is. The only teams that are competitive from England this year are Saracens and Wasps. Sailor a bag of shit. Yep. Northampton are inexplicable. Exeter are all right. Exeter are all right, but they've only won one game so far. You know, there's none of them are getting out of their pool. With the only wasps might not even get out of that pool. Speaking of that, is it just me that found this the most fucking hilarious thing you've ever seen in your life? It was. was, I wouldn't have found it. It would only have been funnier if it was at the Traitor Dome. That's sort of real, yeah. well, that would have been would made, made it exquisitely funny. I'm sorry. That's true. If it yeah, was that's Saracens, true. It would be, fuck, I would still be laughing now. <laughs> However, Saracens I would never, to... ever put themselves in that position. No. But I, I have to give credit to Wasps for coming out and basically going, in no uncertain terms, yes, this was an absolute fucking travesty. But we're not going to appeal these it. These things happen, we're not going to make a big deal No, actually, about to it. be fair to them, yeah. It was hilarious when it happened, and respect to us, they have just come out and gone, yeah, we might not yeah. qualify as a result of it, but, you know, on we go. Yeah, but shit happens. And, I mean, it's amazing, though, isn't it? You know, it's it speaks volumes of the... It's the culmination of everything that world rugby has wrought with its constant fucking around and tinkering and overhauling with the rules of our sport that... We get to the point where it's so fucking baffling and nonsensical that the ref actually believed John Muldoon when he was like, "Uh, isn't that the new rules where we can kick it out? And he was like, well, I mean, you sound like you know what you're talking about. And then about four wasp places were like, they're not allowed to do that. Well, well, look, look, you know, you're saying he's allowed to. He's saying saying he's allowed to. You're saying he's not. It's one person's word against another, and I just, you know, what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah, spark of recognition. Yeah, maybe he's... (laughs) Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with him. And, I mean... It's inconclusive, so therefore I'm going with the person who spoke to me first with the biggest beard. What an absolute... I mean, I know it was compounded by the fact that the real ref pulled up with a fucking hammy, which never happens anyway. And they had to bring the touch judge on to be the real ref, so he wasn't. You know, to be fair to us, it wasn't a line out to nobody where they could just put the ball down. They had to defend it, which they didn't yes. do. So no, they didn't. I mean, it's very true. But you know, it's what a colossal, colossal fuck up. And it, you know, this <laughs> you is premier happens. competition, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, but this is what happens when you're like trialing different variations of laws in different parts of the fucking world. Nobody can get this stuff straight. And Mark McCall said, uh, the, the Saracens guy reflecting on this, he said, it's, it seems to change, as you said, it seems to change from one week to the next, he said. People want to be able to coach and prepare their team with some consistent interpretations, and maybe that's not always the case. I think we need referees to use judgment, but you're relying on the opinion of the referee on the day. That's potentially a dangerous thing to do. So how is that not just contradicting <laughs> himself? I think they need yeah, to use judgment, but then you're relying on the opinion, and I'm not sure, that, and I think that's potentially dangerous. Yeah. So do, exactly. do you want them to use judgment, or do you not want them to use judgment? But this is the issue, isn't it? This. I mean, yeah, we will come to this in a little bit because we're going to talk about yes. all of the new world rugby bollocks. But what it's the refs are damned if they do, damned if they don't for yeah. the moment. But world rugby is not making life easy for them at all. 
so yes, yeah, so that was Connet Wasps. Yeah, game. I mean, there were, arguably there was two games that two, probably two most closely fought games this weekend were both decided by a complete fuck up by the ref because uh, you could argue the same was the case with uh, Leicester and Munster, which uh, I... was a fucking pulsating magnetic watch game because it was proper blood and thunder old school Heineken Cup rugby. So has the but, spirit of um, Anthony Foley finally left the building now? I think that has. Now they've I lost. Is that it? Talking about momentum and passion and emotion. Has, the, and has there been a sort of light behind the door and they had to open it and it slowly disappeared yes. or something? Basically, yes. He's just gone, you're fine now. <laughs> I think he's going to come back and haunt him now. <laughs> you bastards. I thought you were fine. Yeah. Yeah, um, so that was yeah, quite controversial. Yeah, it, it, they just showed that they are now a tidy rugby team. Yes. <laughs> you know, they're not going to win every game. They got very unlucky. You know, hmm. there's no way on God's green earth that Simon Zebo should have been sent off for some. What was he supposed to do? Like, defy the laws of physics by somehow stopping himself having run, you know, 40 That's... meters across the pitch at full speed and somehow having to somehow stop his momentum without making contact when the guy kicks the ball away. That's what World Rugby should just call all their amendments from now on. Yeah. Defying the laws of physics. Defying the laws of physics. Amendment <laughs> X point. <laughs> yes, yeah, sub-clause four, amendment three, yeah. Um, and then, of course, Scarlet's beat Toulon. Yes. I mean, that was, you know, probably the only other really dramatic result of the weekend. And they really did try to to lose that fucking game as hard as they could and and fair play to Lee Halfpenny he, he kind of felt like he didn't have the heart to put it. It was like, I mean he was clearly very angry with himself at the end for yes. missing that kick but it wasn't that easy a kick yeah. though it was quite a hard kick you know, well, you've I, seen him I, get I, him that's the thing there's an only... like oh Owen Williams banged this over from basically the same position it was like no Owen Williams one was directly in front of the fucking posts and about a foot back and his was on there the are touch. unrealistic expectations on Lee Halfpenny's kicking accuracy, though, aren't there? And his distance. He's not a distance kicker. He never was. No, and his, as you said, kick. his heart doesn't really look in it anymore. He looks not a bit kind of... His shoulders are a bit drooped. <laughs> he just looks a bit fed up. Well, let's, let's revisit the notion of Mike Ford as a motivator of men. <laughs> he looks at his face as an absolute brilliant picture at the end, but... As I said, he, he better check he's not stood on a trapdoor and he has to go meet Murad <laughs> tomorrow to explain what's happened. But, you know, yeah, you wonder if Halfpenny, you know, because everybody says Halfpenny's coming back, but then they say that they've offered him £700,000 a year to stay in Toulon, which, um, I mean, that's staying money if ever I saw it. That is staying money. I'd stay for that. Yeah, I mean, that's borderline Dan Carter money. And, I mean, he's not exactly earning that at the moment. But um, Speaking of Dan Carter... Oh, fucking hell, what a performance by Glasgow. Like, <laughs> what as a good performance as they were by last Glasgow, week. Yeah. Just incredible. And like, Finn, yeah, Finn Russell made Carter look, look like, well, look like JJ Hanrahan. Basically, yeah. I mean, Hogg was brilliant as well. Johnny Gray continues to just be immense and everywhere. And has he missed a tackle in Europe yet? I don't think he has. He's. Yeah, he's just beast. ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And... See, I thought he was saving all his missed tackles up for Scotland, but he didn't do it there either. <laughs> it's really odd. Well, we've still got the Six Nations to come. But as we know about missed tackles now, as Tony Fret will explain to us, a missed tackle is only a missed tackle if it's your tackle to miss. Exactly. Revolutionary idea. If, you, if you're covering for somebody, for somebody else, it's not. You can't. Shouldn't go down on your stats. That. No, you can't put that on your stat sheet, can you? You shouldn't do. 
opt in. I'm going to fucking clue what they're doing, putting that on people's <laughs> stat sheets all the time. Dickhead. Oh. Um, yeah, so so that was and it. That's yeah. a little bit of a bust through. But yes, Glasgow in particular, amazing. Yeah, and, uh, and Claremont as well, uh, making Ulster look incredibly average. I think there's a, there's, there's a direct correlation, an inverse correlation between Ulster's performances and the ridiculousness of, of Stuart McCloskey's man bun. I think because it looked definitely. even more ridiculous this weekend mm. than it did the weekend before. I think he'd had it cut. It had it cut yeah. even sharper, and it was piled up on top of his head. It it's was not a good look. Because I don't he's... think he had an undercut before, and now he's got an undercut with it. Yeah, he's adding too many. One, it's bad to start There's with. There's Too many haircuts there. There's when you're adding, yeah, you're adding there. too many layers, literally. By the way, to to your hair. Mm. So yeah, but wonderful. And I love that Morgan Parra was back in full. I'm just going to walk about and fling the ball around with beautiful accuracy all the way through. He was. As bad as he was last week, he was good this week. When he's brilliant, it's just that the fact he never looks like he's running. It's just that's the most glorious thing about him. trotting around the field, firing out passes left and right. Yeah, no no shuffling, no nothing. He just literally flicked, no back lift on the hands. Woof, out it goes. He's a, yeah. Yeah, Phenomenal so, player. So there you go. That was a little bit of a trot through. Uh, we can't finish off, obviously, the reviews of the weekend without discussing the Cuthbert Police on Cup and the uh, the crossover to the Challenge Cup. While we're in the Challenge Cup, before we get into that, by the way, what about mm. Ospreys? Yeah, it's going quite well, isn't it? <laughs> 71... Are... What was it? 71-3? Yeah. Grenoble I mean, aren't that bad, can... are they? I don't remember being that <laughs> like, bad. What we were talking about French teams, A, not giving a fucking uh, B, fielding weakened teams in the Challenge Cup. They're definitely, surely they must be, because Ospreys are a tidy team now. They're not 71-3 good. No. And that wasn't even a full-strength Ospreys team. No. Well, yes, I'm looking at it got, now. Um, Ashley Beck got, and Kieran Fenotia in the midfield for the Ospreys. Yes. Uh, he's a, they've only been in the country for about... A fortnight, so <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's just going very, very well. I for a couple of years, I've sort of felt like because the Ospreys have always had a bit of a weird complex about European rugby and particularly playing French teams and English teams away from home, and I sort of thought that maybe a season in the Challenge Cup might help them sort of maybe break down some of those mental blocks that they had, and mm. um, yeah, it's <laughs> clearly going quite well. I'm playing seven for Ospreys this week. Remember, you remember this man from a long time ago, Sam Underhill? Mm-hmm. Remember him? Uh... Why hasn't he got 50 England caps already? Because this time last year, apparently, he was supposed to be in the squad and started. Yeah. And then, basically, Premiership Rugby turned around to Eddie Jones and said, yes, um, we're going to clarify this. Only if a, every player in England is injured are you allowed to pick Sam Underhill. Yes. At which point he went, oh, okay. You even have to pick Tom Wood ahead of Sam Underhill, Eddie. <laughs> yes. Well... He basically, they, uh, I think the Evening Post spoke to him in the week and basically said, have you heard from Eddie James recently? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, not for a while. <laughs> so basically, like the moment that they told him that he wasn't going to be allowed to pick him for at least two years, Eddie James all of a sudden stopped paying attention to him. I also Which did is a not... shame because he's still a fucking quality player. Yeah, but he's still only, what, 20? Yeah. Plenty of time. He still, doesn't, he still doesn't want to play for Wales, which is annoying. Yeah. I forgot Rob McCusker was at Ospreys as well. Yeah, that was supposed to be like a medical joker thing, and then everybody realised he's actually still quite good, and they were like, oh, yeah. Solid player, Rob McCusker. Yeah. Solid player. This is the days long. Yeah. Played yes, for Mould here in North Wales. That's where he came from. The Ospreys are, well, yeah, two games away from uh, being one of the very few teams to have a perfect Euro- group stage, and uh, 
get maximum bonus points in every game. Which they've got Newcastle away and uh, somebody else at home. I can't even fucking remember. Doesn't Leon. matter. Uh, Enough of this competency talk. Let's move on to what has become, obviously, again, <sighs> Cardiff shit watch. I'm a bit disappointed Look, now. I normally enjoy it, shit watch. It makes me laugh. But I'm just a bit fed up this week because I was desperate. I'm grumpy, but in the famous words of the Rolling Stones, you can't always get no, what you, you can't. want. And it's the fact that Bath, they don't just they didn't just hand it back. They they kind of all pissed at it and then threw it directly into a crowd yeah, of Cardiff they, players, didn't they? They just they beat them about the head with the gutter police on. <laughs> they kicked it down Queen Street, basically. Yeah, they absolutely battered them, didn't they? With the help of the ref, let's not forget. With the help uh, of the ref, but also who else was back in the team this week that wasn't there last week when they were well, taking shit I mean, seriously? It, it is obviously Alid Brew's fault. Alid Brew. The winger formerly known as Alid Brew. Yes. It was this new Alid Brew we don't know. He was today signed a new contract with Bath that will keep him because he was only signed for four months and they've extended it by eight. I bet months. he was. I bet he was on about hundred quid a week as well for that four months, yeah. wasn't he? Because he would have taken anything, wouldn't he? Yes. And now he's like, "How you like me now?" And Put me on a tight <laughs> now is is Mister Ten Percent coming and said, "Right, let's talk turkey, Todd." Mm-hmm. Yes. So that was a depressingly five days is all that Bath <sighs> held the CPC for. And who Cardiff uh, yeah, got next? The game is back to the Arms Park. I think it's the third time the Blues have, uh, well, one, I suppose, is the technical term, the Cup. <laughs> um, which I think is probably a record, isn't it? Like, other teams have held it for longer, but I think the Blues have earned it uh, on more occasions. Oh, guess but yeah, it... it's all teed up for Boxing Day and the I... visit of the oh, Dragons. So you know where that's going to end up then, don't you? <laughs> Shit watch back to Rodney Parade. Aye, probably. So it's going back to Rodney Parade. And then who are the Dragons playing after that? Ooh. New Year's Day, you were the Dragons playing, Josh. I know exactly. Who the oh, Dragons the Dragons are playing Ospreys on New Year's Day. Uh, fucking that would be beautiful, like, wouldn't it? Better, fatter than that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, so everybody out there, everybody out there, start <laughs> chanting and praying to every god you believe in. If you don't believe in a god, make some kind of pretend sacrifice of something in your house that Osprey <laughs> shit watch is coming to kick off 2017. That would be a, it could go on some very interesting travails then potentially if the Ospreys did get it though, right? Because we've got Connacht at home the week after, but then on the twenty eighth of January their next game is at home to Bristol. Oh, <laughs> oh hello. <laughs> but then you see Bristol will never give it up, will they? Well, I mean, maybe next year. <laughs> It'll end up in the championship. Cornish Pirates will have it or someone. <laughs> you don't rule it out. We can't, but, you I know, just, we can't dictate where this goes. I would quite like to see it go to, like, Ealing Trail Finders or something. Yes. Wouldn't that be fun? Or Richmond. Or Launston. Keep it going yeah. down the leagues. Get it to our friends in Launston. It ends up in Launston. They might. We might as well actually make them a trophy and give it to them forever. Weekend out in Cornwall. <laughs> so there you go. So it's um, it's back with Cardiff. Sorry, Blues fans out there. Yeah. But, you know, you've only we got were, yourselves to blame. We were rooting for you, as the the meme so often says. And no, it just wasn't meant to be, was it? Let's talk about um, Gatland being done with Wales. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean. That whole thing just seemed to come out of nowhere for no real reason. It was a friend. 
He told yeah. sources said he told friends that he was basically not going to go back to Wales. It doesn't yeah. seem like his style, to be fair. No, I mean he has come out today and pretty strongly said that it's all bollocks and he's definitely staying with Wales. And I think he said that because even he if just... he wasn't, I don't think he'd just stay there. No, and it's not really him, is it? His, his justification was that he'd never even heard of this journalist, so how would he know his friends? Which, I mean, yeah, I suppose that's... If, you were, if your friends were friends with a journalist, then maybe you probably would know them, I guess. But Surely if a journalist was doing their job, you wouldn't know who they were. I do like oh. his style, though. I do love the idea you can just go somewhere and not come back and just sit, tell your <laughs> yeah, job. just stay in here. But he did say, he basically said that the Chiefs offered him Dave Rennie's job when... He decided to pitch up to Glasgow, and he was like, yeah, no, I'm staying with Because he played for Waikato, didn't he? Exactly, yeah. And and obviously his son is... Uh, Isn't he an outside half, his son? son Quite is a an talented... Is he a, he's he, at one of the provincial teams, isn't he? He played for North Hart. He won the uh, uh, what, the second tier of the MPC by being very good for uh, for North Harbour as well. I mean, it's, I find it weird when... I'm assuming he's a different build to his dad if he's an outside half. Yeah, quite a, I find that weird when, like, Dads of children of hookers, because Billy McBride, Robin McBride, not that kind of hooker. No, yeah, but Billy <laughs> McBride is Robin McBride's son, and he's an outside half as well, and he's a string of piss. And it's like, what? How? What, have you well, seen it's easy your dad? because the dads all took probably allegedly, perhaps maybe took some things to make them bigger, maybe. Yeah, perhaps. That weren't, that some people might say that. I, I wouldn't say that. Legal then and and aren't now, possibly <laughs> maybe. Um, I do like his style. I'm going to Salzburg in March for a weekend because it's my mum's <laughs> birthday. And I quite like the idea of ringing up my employer saying, yeah, I'm not coming back because uh, I'm staying here to take up position of a lead bassoon in the Mozart yeah. chamber orchestra. <laughs> it's going on a press trip and just ringing your employer and going, yeah, I'm all right, actually. I mean, don't bother, bother about the plane fair home. It's a Nagusa uh, situation. It is. A I might come back. I might not come back. I can't promise you what's happening, really. Yeah, I mean, but these Catlin's been doing some weird shit recently. Like, he was at a, a Valindra thing last week and basically had a go at the Welsh public for being the most negative fans in the world. <laughs> He's got a point there. <laughs> and, uh, which, I mean, and saying that, you know, they should get behind Rob Howley and be really, like, partisan, which is some fucking Jim Jones Kool-Aid shit, if ever I Which is interesting, because he just tells Rob Howley to get behind him most of the time. <laughs> exactly. Get behind me, and- Rob. Yeah, and then he bafflingly claimed that whales were punching above their weight because um, we haven't got many people, completely ignoring Ireland, New Zealand and everything else, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, the real world and Gatland are not entirely best friends at the moment, clearly. So, um, yeah, it's, it's weird. He's alienating the Welsh public by the end of the Lions tour. It's not inconceivable to think he might have pulled a Graham Henry and alienated quite a lot of his own players. So you wonder, like... How much desire is he actually going to have to sort out the fucking mess that is Wales for now, what, the third time? After what could well be a wooden spoon Six Nations? That, two, like, that 2000 and what, you just reminded me of that Graham Henry Lions tour. I'd for, not forgotten about it because it was a, it was a great, tour, great test matches. But um, I'd forgotten about that player thing. Basically, they stopped listening to him, didn't they? Didn't the senior players just take over after like the first test? Yeah, According basically. to reports, they just went, we're not listening to you anymore. We're just going to do our own thing. Yeah, and and the whole and obviously he picked the Wales players that he didn't pick took it very badly, and then there was borderline you know open rebellion in the Wales camp when he got back in the Six Nations and the next year's Six Nations and Autumn Internationals it went dreadfully. Wasn't the talk of 
division in the camp in that one. And I remember one of the big things that came out of it, some of the Welsh players were speaking Welsh to each other. Yes. Which is completely uh, out of order, apparently. Memory serves Austin Healy didn't like that at all. Right, which basically means it was fine then. Yeah, basically. So, yeah, it's um, who's to say what could happen after the Lions tour, you know? He must be getting fed up. I had no idea his wife was still back in New Zealand. He was basically commuting. Yeah, (laughs) it's mad. Like, when you think about that, like, presumably, what, to be married to his wife, he must like her. Yes. We all do our wives. And to think, you know, he is basically... You know, I know a test coach doesn't spend their entire fucking, you know, it's, it's if he was a club coach, it would probably be much worse. But being a test coach, you know, he basically doesn't have to be there all the time. And he could probably get back to New Zealand quite a lot, especially given the amount of fucking money the WRU pay him. But it's still a hell of a bloody strain on a relationship and on your psyche and all that sort of stuff. She said, um, apparently... It's like being married to somebody in the armed forces, which is, of course, what it would be like, isn't it? He just basically goes off on these tours of duty for weeks at a time. Yeah, he disappears every, you know, summer, every autumn and every February. And then if you're lucky, you get you get him home for a couple of weeks in between. And, uh, yeah, no, it is very peculiar. And, you like, just what has he got the stomach for that? Because this will be the third time that Wales have basically been in a complete fucking state. And he has had to come in and sort it out and i mean i know he's a guy of incredible will conviction and and so know, on yes but, bastardry but <laughs> bastardry i like that yeah i'm gonna put it on my cv interests yeah bastardry <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I wonder how much stomach he can have left for it to be honest but i mean the thing that amused me about this was the original daily mail thing that reported it was the notion that the WRU's chosen successor for the job is Die Young. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, if he goes in the summer, you're going to have to pry that job out of Rob Howley's cold, dead hands. And I think the lo- lo- probably likewise the WRU feels the same. So They love yeah. him, don't they? They absolutely oh, love him. Bafflingly love him. There's really He's not much to look forward to, is there? to work with him. Literally. Oh, that is great. And it all week, everyone's going to be going, no, I don't fancy being number two to Rob Howley, thanks. No. And who could fucking blame them? I mean... I've got quite a lot of respect for the Scottish guys who are turning it down, actually, particularly Gregor Townsend, because I think he would have loved to have done it, because he's like a bit of a Lions legend and all that. I think he'd have loved to have done it. But actually, he said, you know what? I'm taking over a new team. We've got a lot of work to do. I want to get ready for the August. I want to get ready for the next Six Nations. I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm just not doing it. Yeah, Townsend is the one that I think is justified. Um, Everybody else that's turned it down. (laughs) They're a bit random, aren't they? They, they, It makes me a little bit sad. It's like the Glasgow attack coach and Joe Schmidt, and it's like. It's like what the Lions are supposed to be like one of the most prestigious and rare honours that a coach or a player can hmm. have in their career. And all these coaches are kind of they're letting their own paranoia get in the way of that a little bit, I think. It's like, I mean, don't get me wrong, Gatlin shouldn't have jokingly or otherwise said that he picked Andy Farrell in 2013 so that he could get insight into England. Because, <laughs> but honestly, what are they so scared about? It's like they're not working on the fucking Manhattan Project, are they? It's like rugby is not a. It's not the NFL. No, where there's significant. Rugby, rugby or football. Is a very simple where game. There's, it's, where not a game about, it's not chess. It's not about deception. Yeah, you can't. There's, there's not a new, numerous formations to choose from, is there? It's not like yes. we're not going to play, you know, 5 2 1 5 or whatever. What is he going to steal? Like, get the fuck over yourselves. Honestly. 
I despair. I really do. Anyway, but yeah, I I kind of hope that Gatlin doesn't go because I still think he's probably better than anything else Wales will. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, fuck! Get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. There's good birthday surprises, like when your friends throw you a party. And bad ones, like realising you're so old you can't blow out all your candles in one go. At Phonewatch, we're celebrating 30 years of protecting Irish homes. And we've got a birthday surprise for you. For a very limited time, get a phone watch alarm installed for only 30 euro. Yes, just 30 euro. Offer ends November 30th, so order right away at phonewatch.ie. Monitoring fees apply. Forget, but I would like to see Wells desperately. If he went, would you be happy with Dar Young? Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd at least like to give him a chance. But the only the problem is that I worry the WIU is so fucking preoccupied with succession that even if they gave Dar Young the job, they'd tell him that he had to fucking keep Sean Edwards and Rob Howley. <laughs> they probably would, wouldn't they? Yeah. We can only yeah. afford to pay him off. We can't afford to pay them off. <laughs> yeah, we got one or t'other. So, yeah, I, I, he needs... Gatland, I'd rather he stayed and they got rid of his assistants. That's probably a good point, actually. That would, but he loves them, though, doesn't he? He's dragged them on tour to the lines with him. Well, not Edwards, but... Uh, he certainly loves Rob Howley. I just don't fucking get it at all. Well, watch this space. We'll see if it is yeah. actually true. Although he is categorically yes. denying it. So it's a funny story <laughs> to come out, though. It, is a, it was a funny denied... time, and it's fun, just a, it was one of those. Is it just a slow news week in the Daily Mail sports desk? And they went, oh, we can finally run that bollocks. And the thing Daily Mail are shit houses, remember? <laughs> yeah, they are terrible people. So let's not put anything past them. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. So. Let's talk about beer. Let's. Just have a quick break and talk about beer. It's nearly Christmas. There's a week or so until Christmas where a lot lot of boozing will be being done. Yes. You can get yourselves £10 off um, a lovely crate of real craft ales selected from the best breweries around with beer52.com with our unique discount code. Use bloodmud10 at the checkout and you can get it. With 10 knocked off your first box. And remember... You know, nobody at Christmas is going to object to getting a box of beer as a present. No, this is very true. And you could also do it craftily by buying for people who don't really like craft beer who are coming to your house. You say, oh, I thought you liked it. Oh, I'll have it and give it to you. Oh, shame. Yeah, and also, you can sort of think about it. Boxing Day. Hmm. You know, we all know that sort of week in between Boxing Day and New Year's Eve. Hmm. It's a bit shit, isn't it? It is, yeah. What better way to pass the you're not time? Sure, you're literally not sure what day it is. No, you don't know what day it is. You don't know what to do with yourself. Everything's very rich, food-wise. <laughs> so you, need, just... you could do with a nice, bitter, hoppy drink to exactly. cut through just... to cut through the, the richness. Yeah, so just think about it. Just like, you know, a nice box of craft beers you haven't tried before. It's like a little adventure. Mm. And every day, or all at once, whatever your your <laughs> preference is, you, you just work your Pour them all it. into one massive brandy bubble and chin it. Yeah. Like when you were a teenager, <laughs> you used to make bottles of mix out of your mate's dad's uh, cabinet. Go yes. for it. It's Christmas. You can do fucking anything. Yeah. Have the banana liqueur. Mix that with it. Do whatever you want. Yeah. But no, seriously, it's good quality stuff. £10 off. Stuff. 
bloodmud10, beer52.com, and they help us. They help us out in our adventure to keep this um, ragtag band of misfits broadcasting on a on a weekly basis. We are the voice of the revolution. We are the voice of the revolution, and it's a voice of the revolution that doesn't have horrendous echo or strange phasing <laughs> problems voice, anymore. Voice I don't of think revolution that hopefully doesn't sound shit anymore. Yes. yes. Speaking of. Uh, Revolt, uh, revolting against the powers that be. Um, <laughs> can we talk about these absolutely fucking ridiculous new head injury things that World Rugby is bringing in from January? Because let's do that. Because let's well, be honest, we've not talked about this enough. So let's talk about it some more. <sighs> I know. Well, this is. I mean, the only thing is, is last even week worse than normal. Last week, I, mean, I said and you said that the only way I can see this going. And what they're trying to achieve is that they want to ban tackling above the waist because that's where yeah. it's going to get to. And then literally the day after, <laughs> the day after, the day after this came out, and that's basically what they're doing. Yeah, because I, th- I think Drew Mitchell posed in between inhaling um, fancy desserts, which uh, was very impressive if you haven't seen it on Twitter. I've not um, seen that. What's this? Uh, Drew Mitchell inhaling fancy desserts. <laughs> basically that, yeah. he uh, He has a... A fancy French dessert, and he literally just inhales it in one gulp, which is incredibly impressive. Like a party trick thing. It's a creme brulee, basically. Yes, it's a, a, a yeah. Just I do love a creme down. brulee. Uh, clearly, so does he. But anyway, um, yes, he said on Twitter on, on Sunday night, like, has anybody at World Rugby actually spoken to current pro players about these new regulations? They've un- and- they've undertaken research. It says so in their press release. Yeah, but scientific research—not just any research, scientific research. But does any of that involve talking to current pros and asking whether these things are practical, workable, or actually going to make the game safer? Because I'm not entirely sure they have. Like the records, like we've been talking about this a lot this season because things are sort of snowballing, seemingly week by week, into increasingly silly new levels. Of like ridiculousness. The record for red cards in the European season, right, was eight before this season. Hmm. Because after three red cards over the weekend, um, we've now had nine already this year, and we've wow. got two full rounds of the knockout sta- of the group stages and all of the knockout stages of Challenge and Champions Cup to go. Do we know what those you reds know, were for? Are they mostly about high contact? I bet yeah, they're all about high dangerous. contact or or knocking people in the air. That's they're, what I'm dangerous, about. they're dangerous tackles, basically. Right. Almost all of them are. In once, most of them are like quite a few of them have been for clearouts at rocks. Yes, there was a bad one at the and, weekend. People kept showing on Twitter, wasn't there? Yeah. Was it the Montpellier player? Yes. The yeah, that, player? Was, that was a red. <laughs> that was probably a red. Yeah. I still don't see it's a red in the rules. I still don't see how it's that. I don't know if I'm just being ridiculous, but I just can't see how it's that dangerous. Adam Jones that time, so I'll always be angry about it. Yes, because. It hurt Adam Jones, and nothing should ever hurt Adam Jones. He is a precious flower. But um, anyway, yeah, I don't know. Everybody wants rugby to be safer, and everyone wants to see like dirty, dangerous play out, Lord. But like you say, it's starting to feel like the game is just descending into this unwatchable, unlovable farce. Like, I do. Lo- I, I do love Bill Beaumont has obviously been trotted out as a chairman of World Rugby. To, of course, yes. I do love the fact that he basically looks like the back end of a pack horse. And yet he's just like clever, very clever politician type bloke. Yes. But listen to how much management bollocks he manages to squeeze in to this statement. 
World Rugby continues to be proactive in aligning with the latest evidence-based recommendations in this priority player welfare area. We believe that we are playing a leading role in terms of development and implementation of best practice interventions, and this important study reflects our commitment to evidence-based approach to player welfare. None of that makes any sense. <laughs> it doesn't have to make sense. He had no. to fill two paragraphs with a press release. That's the main thing. That's a ball. Uh, but this, these new guidelines, like we've spoken before about how referees are judging on outcome, not intent hmm. before. But now they're taking, they, we've said, you know, take outcome out of the equation. And they are because they're going to pub- punish players for unavoidable accidents. And it's the way it's coming in so quickly. It's from the 3rd of January. There's yeah, no, no trial there's in. There's no, no, trial, issue. There's, no trial. They're just doing which it. Which is weird because like, for something sensible like the f- stop fucking the scrums up so much, everyone's like, oh, yeah. well, we need at least a six-month trial. Yeah. And, you Where know, Transvaal Division 3 to see if this actually works before we can make any recommendations about, like, asking them to put the ball in straight. That's fucking too complicated. Whereas this, 3rd of January, bang, in. Revolutionising you know the way rugby is. 3rd of January. Do you know what it is? Is that World Rugby Dollar value is fucking what it is. terrified of an NFL style Exactly. Thing. It's all about they dollar value. absolutely yeah. terrified of getting sued for it. So they want to look proactive as shit, regardless of whether it's a good idea, regardless of whether it will help. They just want to be seen to be doing things so that in 10 years' time, when a group of players who have, are suffering serious neurological problems is the amount of fucking un recognized concussions they suffered in the year in their playing days of giving them all fucking cte and god knows what else when that lawsuit comes which it fucking will do by Hmm. the way um they can have some sort of plausible deniability and it stinks because it's ruining the game like by the end of the six nations rugby could be fucking unwatchable because not only is it going to punish players who can literally do nothing about it yeah, they can get you can do nothing wrong and get yeah. penalised here. Yeah, and get a yellow. And it's not just the players. Red... It's not even the players. It's yeah. not even the players. But also, it's massively open to abuse by players who are prepared to make the most of it. Which yeah. and it's not like rugby players are habitual remorseless cheats, is it? Yeah, exactly. Technic like, remorseless technical cheats. Yeah. yeah. How many weeks is it going to take for the coaches to start telling players to duck into challenges? Because Massively. there's an incredibly high likelihood of them buying a pen or a yellow yeah, card. Yeah, because you're catching with your forearm as your hand's coming up to tackle him. Yeah. yeah. I was watching, I had a little game with myself when I was watching the Cup, uh, Champions Cup over the weekend. And I sort of thought, I'll watch the game and I'll look at having watched that World Rugby video of what is now a penalty and what is now a yellow card. I will watch the games and sort of look to myself and see how many things would be given as penalties. And for example, I think I had in the first 10 minutes of Ulster Claremont, I had six penalties and two yellow cards <laughs> and I'd lost count by half time. And I'm not even exaggerating that. It's like, yeah, it's not surprising. Yeah. It's, it's fucking, we go on about, you know, we get on our high horse about shit a lot on this podcast, but this, this is madness. Like, World Rugby, hilariously, World Rugby is claiming that referees should be using judgment and empathy when they're applying this rule, which is, would be fine in theory. However, anybody who watches the game knows that because of how fucking dictatorial World Rugby are, 99% of refs are incapable of doing that, and they just enforce the guidelines without a jot of sympathy for the extenuating circumstances because they don't want to get called up in front of their bosses next week. And leave alone the fact that 
one, it's a physical game and it should continue that to a certain extent, obviously, within... Offloads are a precious commodity now. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're a wonderful example of skill under pressure. Mm. This is going to lead to the fact where offloads are going to be completely normal. It's going to be like handball. As soon as somebody grabs you around the yeah. waist, you can just throw the ball away. It, it'll be yeah. miserable. It'll be like watching touch rugby. And as I said last week, there's a reason why 80,000 people don't turn, don't pay 500 quid a ticket to watch a touch rugby international <laughs> World Cup final. Yeah. I know, lad, I know Owen, a mate of mine from when I played in Cardiff, is a big, heavily involved in the Welsh national touch rugby setup, and he's a great bloke, and it's a great game, but there's a reason why people don't watch it. But if you look at what they're actually saying, they've broken it into two different areas, those of you who haven't been that close to it. One is a reckless tackle. Two is an accidental tackle. They've said about a reckless tackle. Accidental tackle. That all about. In the fucking <laughs> oh. A reckless tackle is a player is deemed to have made reckless contact during a tackle or attempted tackle or during the process of a phase of the game of him making the contact. The player knew or should have known that there was a risk of making contact with the head of an opponent, but did so anyway. You should have known, and you did so anyway. This sanction applies even if the tackle starts below the line of the shoulders. This type of contact also applies to grabbing and rolling or twisting around the head and neck area. That's fair enough. Um, yeah. And even if the contact starts below the line of the shoulders. So what they're saying is you can't tackle around the shoulders anymore unless you can be 100% certain your hand will not slip yeah. up in any Slide way whatsoever. Anywhere near your face, yeah. Minimum 100%. sanction, yellow card. Maximum sanction, red card. There's no way the defensive coaches are going to be able to say to people, keep tackling at the kind of sternum level because, the, because you're, going to get, you're going to get 10 yeah. minutes or, or longer. Yeah, and it's, it, we are going to get games that are, unless referees just wantonly ignore this, we're now going is your to mind. get... Well, yeah. But then they just we, get kicked off the panel, don't they? Yeah, but we, you know... Nige will ignore this because he's one of the few refs that has sympathy and empathy with his players, but the ones that don't, I mean, if they enforce these rules dead on what you've just said, we're going to have games that end 10 aside. Well, they'll be abandoned, won't they? Yeah. And and I'm sorry, I know it sounds like we're being kind of miserable, grumpy old men here. Saying yeah, it it's sounds like we're being hysterical, but, but actually... Read it and watch the video. It and watch see the what video they now say is yellow card. And it's watch, terrifying. Watch your game on Boxing Day when you're drinking your beer 52 crate. Mm-hmm. and have a look at how many you think, well, actually, that might be a yellow card next week because it is the week yes. after next that this comes yeah. in. You and watch it... watch the video that World Rugby so smarmily fucking put out on, you know, Thursday afternoon or whenever the fuck it was and watch what they now say is penalty and what they, what they now say is yellow card and it's madness. Last thing on be- this. Accidental tackle. Let's just could cover what accidental tackle is, <laughs> which is going to be a penalty. Okay, yeah. this is what the class and accidental tackle has. When making contact with another player during a tackle or attempted tackle or during other phases of the game, if a player makes accidental contact with the opponent's head, either directly or where the contact starts below the line of the shoulders, the player may still be sanctioned. This includes situations where the ball carrier slips into the tackle. Minimum sanction, penalty. So you've, you've locked your feet and locked your legs and braced yourself to tackle. He slips over, nuts you in the elbow... Penalty against you. It's Matt. Oh, <laughs> I know you're going to say, well, so well the referees will interpret that, won't they? Well, actually, time and time again, as shown, certain referees don't interpret with any kind of empathy at all because they just do the, they're trying to do the job they're being told to do. Yeah. Rugby is in serious danger 
of losing something that it is not going to be able to get back. And that is, frankly, the interest of the public and of fans. Because like, mm. everybody wants rugby to be made safer for players. Nobody's going to argue against that. But it's still a contact sport. And they're going down a road now where they're just puritanically yeah. outlawing anything that oh. could cause harm, regardless of an outcome and also, or you intent. Know, we're quite lefty, pinko, soft arses on this part. Absolutely. You know, we're not the kind of let's keep punching the shit out of each other brigade. We've spoken very openly about player yeah. welfare before and we've got concerns about it and we've had a go at people who are, who are not concerned with it. So it's not like... Yeah, I was writing blogs about fucking rugby and concussion in 2009 and I've been worried about this for a very long time. However, but this is just this just makes it silly. something entirely different, a different this game entirely. Well, this is being done to actually protect players. This is being done to protect world rugby and world rugby's bank account. True, and that is the thing that absolutely boils my piss. And let's leave it at that. What are your thoughts out there? <laughs> Get in touch at Blood and Mud. Are we basically being grumpy old bastards and hysterical, or are we, you know, or because you know you must think of the player welfare? Or have World Rugby lost it? I think we'll get mixed opinions, I think it's fairly safe to say. Yeah. I actually tweeted at Brett Gosper this week, which I, I never do that thing of tweeting famous people I don't know to tell them what I think, but I could not remain silent about this because it's just silly. <laughs> I anyway. cannot sit on my hands any longer. No, I must. The only thing we must do for evil to triumph is for good men to not tweet <laughs> not things. about shit. <laughs> That's the head injury thing. 2016 has proved anything, it's that. 2017 is going to have... Well, we'll see how it starts. Let's see how many red cards there are in January. Let's try and keep a tally and oh, revisit this, let, shall let we? Let's keep a tally of that, yes. Um, right, let's talk about 99 rugby problems and the Haskate one. Yes. Um, For those of you who don't know what this is, we're trying to cover the de- definitive list of things up to 99 of problems with the rugby game. We've always just covered one, yeah. obviously. Just covered that. And amusingly, I'm now going to talk about referees. Yeah. <laughs> namely, um, I'm prob- namely the video referee, the te- the television match official. Yes. I'm probably not the only one who was watching the climax of Tigers Monster on Saturday in complete fucking dismay, because once again, a perfectly good game of rugby has been ruined by the input of a slow motion replay. Yes, slow mo. Simon Zebo got sent off for basically not being able to defy the laws of physics, as we said on Saturday, because. How was he supposed to stop? But the problem is that when a player kicks the ball away a half a second before and then you slow that down on the TMO, you know, by a fact of five, it looks like he's got enough time to fucking read a Russian novel. But when you play it at full speed... In the original Russian. Yeah, (laughs) but it's in slow motion. It looks like a course he could have made. You know, he could have smoked a cigarette, had a pint and, you know, had several children. And that's the fucking point. Like, slow motion replays are massively distorting what is already a fucked up disciplinary system mm. because they allow things to be judged by the frame. And it's bollocks because by and large players who make these decisions have like a millisecond to make a decision or pick an angle or line up their tackle. And imagine, or just look forward to this, Josh. Imagine how many slow-mo frame-by-frame shots are going to have of tackles, brushing tackles, tackles that start off at nipple level and end up yeah. creeping up onto somebody's chin by accident. And it's a, it's a standard that they can't meet. So I've got a proposal, actually. Go. I will say get rid of this. Martin Williams is basically saying get rid of the TMO after that, which I think is probably a little bit strong. However, I say get rid of slow motion replays because they don't do anything good. They make bad tackles look worse. 
they distort the amount of time it takes someone to do something, and they occasionally will award a try where a blade of a blade of grass was sort of brushed mm. when any in you know twenty years ago that would have not been a try or been a try etc. So I say keep replays absolutely, but only allow them to be played at full speed. So the ref can look at it as many times as he wants, but if he cannot make a decision about what happened in real time, then you can't give it. I go further than that. I say they can only allow to watch it in in full speed or Sky Plus style fast forwarding. <laughs> and in fact, after they've looked at it three times and can't make a decision, they have to watch it in Sky Plus style fast forwarding two times, yeah. and then four times and six times speed. Yes, right all the way up to 30. At which point. <laughs> they, have to, they have to check a ground in at times 30 speed. <laughs> yeah, or basically if they want to bring in that player challenge thing that they've been on about. Yes, the captain can it, challenge, yeah. The captain can challenge it, but then the ref can only watch the replay at triple speed. So <laughs> At times 12. The yeah. And they have to pause it right at the point at which they want to see it, otherwise... <laughs> It, it, you've lost so, it. In fact, the captain yeah. has to pause it. Yes, it's like bullseye exactly or something. He thinks something has happened. Yeah, bully special oh. prize. You have to get perfect, perfect <laughs> things on it. Yes, pause. I'm all for that. Yeah. So no, I'm. I well, what am I thinking about? Yeah, I I agree. The TMO's been used too much anyway. You know my thoughts yeah. on the forward pass and all that stuff and going back three phases of play. That needs to stop. I think I slow motion right can. That we're going to see so many slow motion replays of hands brushing against heads and shoulders riding up from chest to neck level in the Six Nations And then there'll year. be an interminable discussions about it, won't there? Mass- literally Let me tell you what I'm seeing, John. I'm seeing his hand comes across and it hits him just below the badge. Then, in, then it moves just above the badge, but then the player's coming down, and as he's coming down, his hand moves up and to the right and then touches him just on the just, sideburn. That's yeah, what I'm seeing, Paul. What's your view? What's your view, Paul? Yeah, so yellow card then. Oh, <laughs> uh, was it actually had on Saturday where the ref made the perfectly correct decision and the TMO was like, "You sure about that? You sure you don't want to make a wrong decision?" <laughs> and he did. Well done. Uh. Yeah, wind your neck in TMO. Also, all TMOs have to wear the Chaz and Dave make the stick style hat like the French yes, guy did. Why was that not wearing a pork pie hat? I thought that was a uniform for fuck's sake. <laughs> Yeah, uh, my 99 rugby problem this week, very quickly, which is a problem, in fact, in a lot of other things, but it's a broader reach. I'm talking about it, new stadiums. Mm. Name me a new stadium that is better than the one it replaced. Uh, Millennium Stadium, there you go. The Millennium Stadium, yeah. Beyond that, New Thorman Park, shit. AJ Bell, yeah. shit. Yeah. Parker Scarlet, shit. Yeah. Um,. I mean, it is hard. I mean, arguably... Extras grounds are right. Yeah, Sarri's new stadium is probably better than the one they came from. Just, I mean, it's still not good. I'm just saying we're a little yes. bit... But they just generally no. tend to be awful. They just the, sort, yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, there's nothing you can do about it either. They have to, no. You have to move stadiums because usually... They will inevitably have worse atmospheres as well because they will be built with some semblance of lofty ideals of pulling in 30,000 punters but they'll actually get between 10 and 11. <laughs> Especially because so they have be... to build them further away from town, don't they? It's the Cardiff City Stadium problem, wasn't it? When yes, basically yes. Cardiff rugby fans don't like going to the south of the city. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going there. I'm not going to the south or the west of the city. 
And no, yeah, you are right. It's very hard to do a new rugby stadium well. I would say that Ashton Gate is probably one of the better ones. But then Bristol. Pre existing football stadium, though. They've been there for years, haven't they? And to be honest with you, I do kind of prefer the atmosphere when they were in the memorial ground, to be honest. There you go. Um, Right. Yeah, I'm with you there. Let's have a look at the shit good ratings of the year and finish on that, shall we? Let's do that. Uh, yes, you I'd go. You, as a Wales fan, as an Ospreys fan, as a general rugby fan, um, 2016 has been almost as wretched in our sport as it has been in every, every other fucking aspect of Western civilization. Because by and large, yeah, by and large, it's going, it's going terribly. terribly. <laughs> Speaking of which, my first shit of 2016, Welsh rugby. <laughs> like after what was quite a decent World Cup. You know, yeah, all things considered, yeah. Yeah, not only has the national team failed to kick on, but has just collapsed into a complete fucking mess. There's no coaching changes and no faith in new players, so there's very hope of little hope of anything being turned around. And watching them plumb new depths in the autumn has genuinely tested my love for the national team. Um, and off the field, we all had such high hopes of what the post-Roger Lewis era at the WRU would look like, and it's just rapidly evaporated in the miasma of Orwellian post-truth that emanates every time a WIU employee gets in front of a camera. <laughs> Rob Howley's imagined triumphs are glorified and the game suffers at every level. By and large, it is going terribly. <laughs> well, a good for me on the flip side of that is that it was very good being an England fan this year. Even with all the caveats of, you know, it's still an improving situation and let's not get carried away, it's been a marvellous Marvelous oh, sure since been, January I'm to sure be an England fan. Absolutely. Even delighted. with that, even even with fucking Haskell splattered all over the walls, it's still <laughs> it's still been all right. See, I very nearly put that into my shit. Just England being good again. Well, because, I suppose there is a yin and yang thing going on with there. Anything I say that's good about England, it's it's, it's taken as it's taken as red. It's taken well, as red. Shit um, for me has been the decline of the drop goal. It it has been a worryingly rapid decline as well. And also, see, the thing is, I. I hated drop goals when they were being used too much. It frustrated me. It was an easy way of getting points, <laughs> yes. and I really, really didn't like it. But now, now I kind of yearned for them like an ex-partner, and I can't rem- like when I can't remember the bad bits and the good bits. You know, I just remember mm. how you know nice her eyes were in the morning, and I, I'm forgetting how much of a horrible noise she made when she chewed. Things like that, you know. So <laughs> it's kind of yeah, I, I kind of miss the drop goal to the point at which I get genuinely excited when I see a nice one now. Yes, it's, Ian it's Keatley's become- kicking them. Genuinely excited with Ian Keatley doing one the other week. <laughs> that 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 in itself shows the depths to which drop goals have sunk, doesn't it? Really? Yeah. So drop goals um, for me. Yeah. Uh, other shits for me. Um, the fact that we've spent most of 2016, as indeed we have on this podcast, <laughs> talking about things other than what goes on on the fucking field, from racism and violence and shithousery to disciplinary inconsistency, politics, bullshit. Oh, I'm so fucking sick of the whole thing. Like if there's one thing I would like for Christmas, please, Rugby Santa, it is to get through just like one week. Can we just go from like Boxing Day through to New Year without any of us talking about something that has absolutely fucking nothing to do with the actual with playing with... of the sport yes. all the time? Speaking of Rugby Santa, who would be the Rugby Santa? Uh... Sebastian Cheval or Martin Castro Giovanni. 
or Gareth Chilcott. He's always, yes. you know, for dressing yeah. up, he's always he's your go-to I, man. I think he? Adam Jones would be good value as a rugby Santa. He's very jolly. He's already got a beard. Speaking of Castro, mm. there was a good for this year with Castro, Oh, wasn't what a good that was. Partying in <laughs> Vegas with Paris Saint-Germain. But he said he had to go back to, our, to Argentina. Argentina. <laughs> I mean, it's heroic commitment to both being a massive lad and to being fucking stupid. Because how was... How did he not think he'd get away with this, really? I mean, he announced his retirement. Uh, yes, he did this just, week, didn't he? Did, yes. So uh, I think I kind of assumed that that was his way of retiring in the first place. He's going to spend the rest of the time floating on an inflatable chair in a pool in the south of France, <laughs> drinking exactly mimosas. He's basically been sitting on one of those lilos in a Vegas <laughs> pool for the last seven or eight months, and he's pruned to such a level now that he's realised he's probably going to have <laughs> I've to retire. This. I'm not going training no more. <laughs> uh, let's have a look at what came through on Twitter Alvaro got in touch and said good mm. for him was Eddie Jones hauling people off after 20 minutes in order to win test matches yeah yeah not just for England fun. but generally this should happen more this isn't working off I mean it happened with uh, Mike Ford did it yesterday with uh, Toulon their prop was I mean a Stuart Lancaster point. started it actually Andy yes. Robinson started it with Henry Paul yeah. Stuart yeah. Lancaster did it with Kyle Eastman didn't he was in New Zealand yes he did yeah uh, um, Cammy Black got in touch and said good for him was Scotland. <laughs> I do like that he, he, he put Scotland question mark. He's not really sure. <laughs> You've always got to qualify it. Scotland you? question mark. It's been a decent year overall, he says. Uh, Italy aside, it makes for a, a Six Nations that's less predictable next year. That is true. I, you don't need the question mark. I think it has a, a, bit, yeah, of a, blip, no, a bit of a blip like, with Japan, Scot- but it's been a decent Scotland year for Scotland. Yeah, kicked Definitely. Um, Shit for me. Uh, do you remember Jared Haynes' half-assed attempt oh, to walk God, into yeah. the Fiji Olympic Seven squad? Like, what was that about? Well, didn't they win a tournament where he played for like one minute and missed a tackle? Yeah, and then he was like stood on the podium dancing around with a cup in his yeah, hand and all. Like, get, get like the arrogance of him assuming that he could walk off an NFL field into an Olympic team for a sport he'd never actually played. <laughs> Come on. Ridiculous. Shit for Fiona K. Hunter, who got in touch at Blood and Blood on Twitter, said Edinburgh losing to fucking Zebra. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that is good. That's be. a bad one at any time, isn't it? Chris Jane said, said, I did like this. He's done both. He said, good. Birth of a rugby god in a toji, like never seen before. Body of Adon- Adonis, mind of Jesus. But yeah. shit, ridiculous overhyping of Maroi Toji. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you know, he was shit when I saw him. So That's true. Yeah. Overhyped. Yeah. Overhand. Yeah. Um, other shits for me. Um, ben Bottica's kick to end the Challenge Cup final. <laughs> who still, I, you know, still the I kind of forgotten about that until you just mentioned oh, it. The look on Jamie Roberts' face. <laughs> That's the best one, thing about it. It's just the, the shock, the disgust, and then just cutting to, to poor Ben Bottica just... Beating the turf in <laughs> anger and frustration is still, oh, God, brilliant. I think we were talking about before, uh, shit for Ian Bradshaw on Twitter, was that all the moaning at the refs from fans and media, etc., for doing exactly what they've been asked to do by World Rugby. It's a fair point, actually. There is, there is some, yeah, I, I, I no longer, I mean, I do think that refs deserve some of the blame because, as we've discussed, they're not applying judgment and empathy like they're supposed to be. Hmm. But it's not their fault that, World Rugby seem to be moving the goalposts every fucking week. Halka Rich got in touch on Twitter saying shit. Andy fucking Robinson. That's all he wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, demonstrably, yes. 
there's no way. Um, shit for me also was the uh, Mark Robson, Alan Quinlan, Hysteria <laughs> Roadshow of 2016, uh, otherwise known as their commentary for Island All Blacks. Like, just hypocritical, unlistenable, probably the worst thing I've ever witnessed from a commentary booth. And I've witnessed both Stuart Barnes and Dowie Morris. Indeed. Dowie Morris. Has he been quietly moved on? He doesn't seem to be around anymore. He doesn't seem to be doing that much anymore, does he? I wonder why. We're going to find out he's got uh, cancer now or something, aren't we? We have to say that. Yeah. Uh, good was Adam Reese on Twitter got in touch. Well, he wasn't good, but he, what he said, he said this was good. A friend of the pod, Adam, said Fiji winning the gold. That was, uh, honestly, if we're talking like my fe- highlight moment of the year, I think Fiji winning the gold and the singing and all of that stuff. And it's the, it was the humility with which they won. The humility yeah. which they, they just kind of just... They just played this wonderfully destructive, menacing game of rugby, and then you would just had a bit of a sing song, and then got on the knees to the, you know, Princess Anne didn't have to stretch, and it was all just, it was all just, yeah, it was very great. lovely. It was really nice, and in a in a year where not many really nice things have happened in rugby or anywhere else, it was lovely. Speaking of lovely, actually, um, Bowden Barrett, watching yes. him this year has just been a joy. Because he is a proper running fly half. He is. And there was a time when it felt like fly halves weren't that anymore. And whenever going to, they were going to be, you know, they were game managers. They were Wilkinsons. They were biggers. Mm. They were, you know, and no disrespect to those players. No, but yeah, capable, but yeah. There was talk that that time had passed where a player at 10 would be able to beat players with pace and with his feet and with, most importantly, his brain and you know, it's it, it's been fantastic to watch him become the best player in the world this year. Uh, Chili boy Bill Tong got in touch <laughs> on Twitter and said, Hello. "For shit, you simply cannot look past Alex Curtsy. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. The, arguably, the South African Rugby Union should have looked far past Alex Curtsy when they were searching for a new coach. Yes, um, but." I mean, but if by and large Welsh rugby is going terribly, <laughs> yeah, quite. <laughs> At least you're doing all right, you know, in, I mean, in your league and things like yeah. that. I don't know what you say is going on in South African rugby. It's a fucking shambles. I did um, like this one from Billy Conkey, BP Conkey hmm. on Twitter, who said, "Good, Leinster's academy players, and how yes. good they're going to be for Connacht in two years' time." <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Yes. Um. I. Other goods for me. Um, I, how, how could we forget um, Warwick Gallant kicking the ball up Jan Serfontaine's <laughs> yeah. ass? I probably thought that was last year, but it wasn't. It's still it last was, season, it's but just, this year. Oh, without doubt, the funniest thing I saw. I showed that to my kids, and they watched it about 15 times over and giggling the whole it's, time. <laughs> it's glorious. And um, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be an end of your review if we didn't say good and thank you to uh, Clarity Copiers for basically yes. propping up the whole of Welsh Rugby with their sponsorship, apparently. And, uh, of course, some stellar scan print copy hybrids, as they've proved. Indeed. I'm not on the take, I'm not on the take from Clarity. If, if, no. However, if they would like to sponsor Yo, the pod... Hey, I was looking for all the slagging off we've done, we can forget that, if you come to the right offer. If you get, if I can get a you know decent and who printer can forget, and some paper... Who can forget Dan Liddit, Dan Liddit photocopy a metrosexual... Yes. I mean, it's hard to believe that things didn't really work out for him in Paris with, you know, sexual modelling skills like that. Isn't Amazing. It? 
Mm. Um, Ian McGill got in touch. This is a very good one. The sheer joy of watching how Connacht played at the Murrayfield in the Pro 12 final. Yes, that's definitely up there. It's it's very easy to forget that that happens because it feels like so long ago. But what a fantastic achievement that was! And he equally, said, it, as equally to that, he said, "Shit, was the Connick fan sat behind me at the game who dropped the C bomb every time <laughs> Connick had the ball? How can that be shit? That sounds like the best thing ever. You can't beat a C bomb dropper sat behind you." I would be delighted with that. All for it. Um, other good, like remember that Japan try against Scotland in the oh, summer. Oh God, yeah, that was the an absolute blinder. Wasn't will win the try of the year? Which I did? Still don't know. Um, I did. The Jamie Heaslip's try for Ireland against Italy. Yeah, it was an all right. It was a good try. It wasn't anywhere near as good as the, the Japan one was. Yeah, was pornographic. Yeah. Oh, it's one of the best team tries ever. Just fantastic stuff. Anything um, else? Probably Ireland. Like I'm not Irish, obviously. And I'm not a massive fan of Ireland in general, to be honest. But <laughs> just what the whole oh, island? Just, just the team. Um, okay, <laughs> just, yeah. we would just like to clarify that yeah, Josh means the rugby team of Ireland. Yes, not actually you people. You're lovely. Um, it's been hard not to admire what Joe Schmidt has done with that team this year, for all of the good things that England's done as well. You know, the way that he hasn't really changed anything about his team or his philosophy. He's just transformed them into arguably the second best team in the world, mm. uh, and in rapid and you know getting the historic wins over you know the All Blacks and and in South Africa, I was actually very pleased with them. Better, you know, Celtic fraternity maybe, but yeah, I don't think give me be... that. Wales and Ireland despise each other when it comes to rugby. <laughs> Absolutely exactly. despise. I love I love the fact exactly. they do. I love the fact that Celtic fucking fraternity chocolate box bollocks has been shot through. Because it is bollocks. They can't fucking stand each other. I I, I will not for one second espouse any Celtic fraternity. I can't fucking stand Scotland. I can't fucking stand Ireland. (laughs) I love watching them lose. Almost as much as I like watching England lose. No, come on. There must must be England losing a bit of a gulf. Scotland and Ireland losing. I mean, there is a a big gulf. And and I will still happily root for Ireland or Scotland against England. Forever. (laughs) And on that note, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> on that note of fraternity and peace <laughs> and goodwill to all men. Have a lovely Christmas. Thank Indeed. you for, and New Year. We won't be here next week. We'll be back in the New Year. Thanks to every single one of you who's given us even 10 minutes of your time this year. Thanks yeah. for your engagement on Twitter. Thanks for buying beer from beer52.com, Blood Mud 10, £10 discount. Thanks for your reviews and generally thanks for involving yourself in this continuing sharabank of strangeness <laughs> and uh, borderline, barely suppressed rage and congealed pustule of disdain that is the bloodandmud.com podcast at the end of 2016. Josh, have a lovely Christmas. Indeed, a happy Christmas to you and a happy Christmas to all of you crazy fuckers out there. Don't go changing. See you soon. There you Bye. go. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, fuck! Get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Sports Social Podcast Network.